0: I have a great example of myself. I had told myself since I was little that I was anxious. I was a high, you know, high performing individual. So, you know, I was anxious um, is what it meant. And, you know, elementary school, pulling my hair out of my ponytail if it wasn't perfect. Right. That type of anxious. Um, so that was not helpful for my healing. So me telling myself every day. I, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, okay. Am I? You know, our body follows our mind and, you know, what we think about day to day and what we consume every day um, really impacts our biochemistry. It's, it's physical. It's placebo effect. And it's not imagined. It's real.
1: Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Every once in a while, you come across these people who are just incredibly gifted at taking what could be a complex idea and they make it super simple to understand and really easy to implement. One of the things I love about my guest today on the podcast is that she does this over and over again with her clients, and she definitely does this when she is sharing health information on Instagram. Shay Leonard is a physician assistant practicing out of the U.S., and she shares with us her story of how she found functional medicine, how she Moved away from a conventional way of practice and a conventional approach with respect to her own health and is really moved into the realm where she is able to provide what I call health freedom to countless patients and individuals. She's got a really compelling message, but what we did today is we actually broke down her top five favorite, simple, impactful interventions that any one of us can put into play with respect to our health. And we paired them with the tools to make them easily implementable in your life. If you are looking to this time of year to start to reevaluate the choices that you're going to make with respect to your health, how you want to lay the footprint for a plan moving forward as we transition into the next year, I promise my guest today, Shay Leonard, she's got your back. Shay Leonard, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, I'm looking forward to this. You know, I've, I've been, um, we work together on a few different levels, but I, I love watching you on Instagram because you do this thing where you take... These health concepts that I think people have blocks to in terms of implementing them, and they're actually really easy. But you make them you make them simple. You like find the relationship between simple and easy, and you make them implementable for people's uh, life and for their health. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to break down your favorite easy things to do. And we're going to make them really simple for people to be able to integrate, we're going to break down that relationship. Before we do that, Shay, I'm wondering if you can share with people your story and your background and why you're so uniquely positioned to do this.
0: Awesome. Okay. So, um, kind of long story short, I've, i wanted to practice medicine since I was little, uh, very little. My aunt's a physician. And so I've always been into that. Um, I started struggling with my own personal health issues, um, around junior high. It actually got pretty bad. I, I was covered in cystic acne, you know, um, Legs, arms, back, uh, you know, everywhere. And um, so that was kind of a big thing. And then I started developing a lot of IBS type symptoms, um, figured out I was lactose intolerant and just had a lot of um, gut health issues. And then, you know, of course, I put I was put on lots of antibiotics and birth control for my acne and and all of these things um, around uh, junior high. Well, in my sophomore year of high school, I was actually driving to school. Um, Luckily enough, I made it to the parking lot. I had my first seizure during my menstrual cycle. Um, and that was kind of an ongoing thing for about two more decades, (laughs) 10 more years, or one more decade. So, about 10 to 15 more years, I kind of went through that journey of why. Oddly enough, of course, lots of neurologists and specialists all over the U.S. later, um, they were only ever on my menstrual cycle, and not always. Um, So, it was a very odd, very confusing thing. You know, we went through um, kind of a more conventional approach, and And ultimately, no one asked me one time, unfortunately, about my diet or my stress level or what I was doing or my bowel habits, you know, my sleeping habits, nothing, none of that was ever addressed. And um, very early on, I started exploring on my own a more functional approach, even in high school. um, I started seeing um, kind of like a bodywork person and I was just very like, there's more to this. Like, I don't think this is really the answer and um fast forward i decided to go to pa school i'm still dealing with my health issues in the past um kind of going through that went through pa school and practiced in a more conventional medicine setting and allergy and immunology and then psychiatry um, for several several years and through that during that time i finally was at my wits end with my health i almost quit My first job as a PA crying um, in the parking lot, driving home um, almost every day, my poor husband, um, because I was so sick and miserable and exhausted, working um, way too many hours and just sick. And um, finally, I found a functional medicine pharmacist who took me under her wing and gave me my first lesson in epigenetics and did my first real functional medicine testing. And um, I I just adore her to this day. She's such a good friend and mentor. And uh, she changed my life and my health. And um, I have no problem telling people I had a lot of work and there was a lot of stuff I did over the next few years. But within two weeks, I had never felt that good since I don't even know, maybe ever. Um, You know, so um, within two weeks of working with her, doing completely natural things like Changing my diet, making sure I'm going to the restroom every day, cutting back on. I was doing HIT seven times a week, um, HIT training, you know, wow. cutting back on all of that, eating more, <laughs> eating quality things. She really just came in and kept it really simple and said, everything you're doing is causing inflammation. Everything we're going to do is going to decrease inflammation. Let's do that. And I'm like, okay. So it kept it very simple for me. And from a very, from that very first setting, she set the tone for how I was going to um, basically transition into that and what I wanted to be as that person. So I kept, you know, practicing conventional medicine for a little bit. And she said, what are you doing? You're so passionate. You have to move to functional medicine. And I left conventional medicine um, last year. And open my business and doing health coaching. I went to functional medicine school um, in the middle of all that. And here I am loving it and, and doing really well and it's so excited to work with with people who are um, really wanting more answers and more healing.
1: There's so many things to unpack here. I, you yeah, know, I just yeah. to, before before we we jump in on that piece, because I actually want to well, actually, the first thing I do want to I, I want to ask you is because you've you've existed on both sides the functional medicine side and otherwise what what's the big difference between the two philosophically from your perspective like why didn't traditional medicine find your answer
0: I was never really given the opportunity to explain what I thought was going on um, and really felt seen or heard. It was very just much textbook is how I felt. Um, And if it didn't fit in this realm of textbook, um, you know, having seizures on your menstrual cycle sometimes is not somewhere to be found in medical school, right? That was not something you were taught even in neurology um, back then. Um, There's some new stuff now, but, um, you know, it was very much like we don't fit in. So we're just going to go this direction, which is the first thing that was put on probably in a 10 minute visit was antiepileptic medications. Very first thing, probably my very first 10 minute visit after having one on my menstrual cycle. So it was just very much like there's not the story. The story's not involved. Your story's not involved. I felt very much it was just like symptom, diagnose, treat. Um, which is amazing in an emergent situation, <laughs> for sure, and, and right. so powerful and life-saving. And um, I believe wholeheartedly in the amazing advancement of conventional medicine. But um, 90% of the time, this, we're missing the story of, of the whole um, dynamics and really investigating and taking on that time to investigate and actually address some of those root causes instead of seeing it as one little thing and trying to treat that.
1: Yeah, it's the root cause piece. And, you know, I'll share my own story. And I feel like so many of us who have found naturopathic medicine, functional medicine were here because there was some element of the conventional system that didn't work for us. And it was in searching for an alternative or an alternative answer or conversation that we're like, whoa, wait a second. There's a different way of looking at health. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a history of endometriosis. I did three surgeries for endometriosis and I got really, really sick after one of these surgeries. Uh And so I went to see like, really sick and i went to see a variety of i was in emerge and i went to see neurologists i went to see all these people and everyone asked me the same question which is what has taken place over the course of the last 72 hours or the last week and I retold the story and retold the story and we told the story and all they did differently between these different people is they're like, well, let's try this medication or let's try this yeah. approach. They were all like, well, let's, like maybe we need a bigger Band-Aid. Like maybe your Band-Aid's not strong enough or we should try gauze or maybe there's a different type of tape. And they they all asked the same question and they had five or six choices they could pick from and if it wasn't actually a tangible thing that people could see, I'm pretty sure they would say, well, it's in your head. Like if we can't pair a treatment and and your story, then it must be in your head. Yeah. And then I went to see an naturopathic doctor and I walked in his office and he did his little thing. And then he said to me, he said, Megan, talk to me about how your body has always and historically responded to stress. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what my answer was. <laughs> and it doesn't even matter. It's because that line of questioning opened up 90% of the options that were actually on the table to address what was going on with me. And I was so struck by the intelligence yeah. of the question and the acknowledgement of the fact that um, there was probably an underlying process taking place here that doesn't necessarily fit into one of five boxes on the algorithm. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't actually do anything else with my life. This is like, I have, I have to pursue this because I suspect 90% of what people are walking around with actually would benefit from this line of questioning, not that line of questioning. Um, So I wanted to acknowledge that. And I also just want to share that with people. Like, I I think that, you know, I wrote down as you were sharing your story, a red flag, when people aren't asking you about Mm -hmm. what you are doing with your body every single day and how you are thinking every single day this needs to be a red flag for you and the care that you're about to receive.
0: Am I off base here? Like, would you? No, I love that. And how to explain that and keeping that simple. You're so right. Are they asking you questions and investigating further to really dive into that route of, of where are the day-to-day lifestyle choices that you've been doing for a decade? Um, what, how, how do those impact us? Literally, like you mentioned, um, 90% um, of the time it's going to fall into that lifestyle.
1: Awesome. Okay, so here's what you're really good at. I mean, you're really good at a lot of things. um, But one of the things I love watching is you take these ideas and you make them really implementable. And so I put you on the spot, but I asked you just before we started, I'm like, Jay, I just want to go through your top five things that if people would just do this, it would actually add ease and health to their life, and I know you talk about this idea that just because it's simple doesn't mean necessarily that it's easy to do. So I wanna talk about your top five items that you would address in people's lives, and then we're actually gonna make it easy for them to implement. And we're gonna count down to number one. So if we start at number five, talk to me about what you wanna get people to do. If we're just gonna do one thing, let's start here.
0: Perfect. So number five, I would just start switching over um, your products to more non-toxic, really trying to minimize. I think that's the perfect way to think of it. Not perfection. We are just reducing. We're minimizing as much as we can day to day. Those minimizations over time completely add up. So, you know, making your home um, and your beauty routine and all of these things um, just as low toxic as possible. You know, this new narrative, we're, we're finally getting out there that the toxic um, products and the amount of chemicals we're exposed to, you know, within five seconds of waking up is in the hundreds of and those um, really impact our hormones and our endocrine system and our um, stress levels on our bodies and inflammation in our bodies. And they're highly contributing to um, these chronic health issues that we're struggling with and and autoimmunity and things like that. So making one small swap at a time. So if you run out of your deodorant, um, download the Think Dirty app. That's probably the easiest, simplest way um, to look things up and choose one that's non-toxic. You don't have to just wipe out your whole stuff, just one thing at a time. You run out of your mascara, let's switch to non-toxic. Next time you go to the store, instead of buying regular strawberries, choose organic. Um, Really looking for those small, simple ways that we can start just reducing our overall toxic burden day to day. So you can give our body just a little bit of rest so that it can put some energy into other things instead of just trying to constantly deal with the amount of um, toxic exposure day to day.
1: I'm going to throw on there too, when you, when you download some of these apps and you resource yourself with understanding what's toxic or not toxic, it also takes the complexity out of it. Wow. So I talked to a lot of people. They're like, yeah, I'll get around to that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure my stuff is, uh, clean. Like it, it looks really clean and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what looks really clean actually means when we're talking about, uh, beauty care products. Yeah. I suspect what they mean is there's really beautiful branding on yeah. whatever product product they're using, which does not necessarily correlate to clean, uh, to clean ingredients. So really do resource yourself with these pieces. There are beautifully branded products mm-hmm. that are actually also really good for you. And it, you know, it speaks to this idea that, you know, what I'm obsessed with as a practitioner, I know what you're obsessed with is what do people do every day? Mm-hmm. Because that's what matters. And, and you know, it's so easy to go, um, I don't, how bad can that cream be? How can I always think of it like dust, on one day, you hardly notice the dust in your house. In yeah. two days, you don't really notice the dust in yourself. But like day four or five, you're like, it's actually a little dirty in here. Like I need to <laughs> I need to wipe the counter. And that's the thing is that when we're just, we're putting it on top and lathering it on top of ourselves every single day, we do get this cumulative burden. And we, it's really hard to know where one person's susceptibility lies. Yeah. Um, I really like this. And I love the swap. And you can do that with food. You can do that with products. You can do that like... It's just one tiny thing at a time and suddenly you've transitioned your whole house.
0: Absolutely. Okay, number four, number four, new habit every day. Yeah. So number four, I would say, I don't remember exactly which order I went in, but um, number four, I would say um, reducing caffeine and alcohol. I have seen honestly be a really big game changer, especially in the initial steps of healing um, with my past in psychiatry. Um, it was two things that at that time um, for every single person seeing me was a non negotiable um, that we were going to avoid those and really understanding that, you know, um, are these helpful for me? today? Are these actually h- help promote my healing? Are they helping me be the best um, healthiest version of myself? Are they really hindering me day to day? And I think it, it all comes back to that. What do I do every day? So I have the perfect example. I had a new client the other day and and um, he experiences pretty you know bad diarrhea every every morning, every you know mid morning and has for years and years. And um, you know, he drinks non-organic coffee with half and half every morning, and what is simple, and also struggles with anxiety. So, what a simple step for me to say, okay, I'm going to work with you to decrease that. I'm going to show you how day to day. Um, but eliminating that, there's a really good chance we could actually get rid of all of the the morning anxiety um, and the um, you know loose stools in the morning just by that one swap. And so. Um, understanding if you are an ultra rapid metabolizer and I check your genetics of caffeine, okay, that's another story. But just in general, reducing these types of burdens on the body um, that we can, especially alcohol and, and caffeine, um, I've seen be literally life changing for people.
1: I I totally want to acknowledge those two pieces. I used to get my patients to answer one of two questions every time they did something with their body. Is it helping or hampering? Mm -hmm. And it's okay if the answer is hampering, but if you're getting multiple hamperings in a row, then we need, like, we really need to look at the ratio here. And I, I found uh, recently I was looking at, you know, what is different about the days where I'm wanting to have a glass of wine versus not, or the Mm -hmm. days where I like reach for a second cup of coffee or don't and again, my like root cause lens, it actually brought me to TV. If I turn on the television at night, Mm -hmm. then I tend to stay up a little bit longer. My brain's a little bit more stimulated. I don't sleep as well. And it's actually the trigger for a 24 hour cascade that has me drinking more alcohol, be less inclined to get up and exercise, having a little bit more caffeine. And so it was really interesting when I actually was like, what do I need to remove from my life and detox on? It was actually television i needed the television off Mm -hmm. most nights in my house and every single other habit started to fall into into play um so it's something i would encourage people to look at if they're like i don't want to stop my alcohol i don't want to give up my uh my caffeine like what's behind that because usually it's like i'm tired or i can't relax or like but what is the what is the thing that we could actually take out first What's our first substitution, as you would say? Yes, uh, to move us closer to that, um, to that choice and
0: that opportunity. Awesome. Okay, number three. Um, We're getting down to some of these, but I love that you just mentioned sleep hygiene, because I I mean, I don't know how I can talk about my top five things without talking about sleep hygiene. So it may not fit into that um, little category exactly. But exactly what Megan said is, you know, are you giving your body the right vibes to go to bed? I think that's just how I try to keep it simple is, you know, we need to send it all the right signals and we just don't. We've got all the lights on. We're watching crime drama. We're drinking, um, you know, um, (laughs) tea or or even um, we just have a little bit of chocolate at night, which has caffeine in it. We're doing um, all of these things like budgeting. And I had a sweet client making lists in her bed for her day the next day and wondered why she can't sleep. Right. So we just do not <laughs> tell our body it's safe to sleep. That's it. You know, probably 90% of the time I worked in psych forever. Everyone I saw had insomnia, every single person. Um, and no matter what we had going on with mood until we addressed that, we you know, we were going to have very difficult time progressing. And so um, sleep hygiene and getting sleep and understanding that we have to let our body know it's safe. We have to have our cortisol at rock bottom and our melatonin steadily increasing. And it's just flip flopped. Um, So really making those small choices to have a really relaxing nighttime ritual, enjoying that time and telling your body, give it the right vibes um, to go to sleep. Yeah,
1: it's funny. I have a few rules in my world about sleep one, I walked in, I, I mentioned TV already, but I remember walking in one evening, my my husband was watching something like, I, I don't know, it was like about Vikings, like, so I can tell you it wasn't pretty <laughs> what was happening on screen. Yeah. And I just turned away. He's like, what's going on? I'm Like, I cannot, I can't see that mm-hmm. before I go to sleep. And my other rule is, I remember him asking me one time, he's like, have you paid whatever thing? And I was like, I'll do it tomorrow. Like, I will not look at money stuff yeah. at night. Like, it just opens. I, I don't want to open that. So, you know, again, like, be really mindful of what your unique triggers are because Shay's going to have them. I'm going to have them. Like, you're going to have your own pieces. Don't do that at night. Like, don't don't intentionally trigger your physiology in the evening when you're actually trying to move into that parasympathetic
0: yeah. state. Exactly. Number two. I would say just in general, um, increasing whole foods and avoiding inflammatory foods. So what does that look like and how can I start doing that? So of course, we talked about switching to non-toxic, choosing organic and things like that. Let's just try to eat three veggies a day. You know, let's keep it simple. Just start adding vegetables and don't be afraid of frozen veggies. Buy organic frozen chopped vegetables and try to eat a bag a day. You know, we just want to maximize the good stuff and minimize the bad stuff. So it's like, okay, today I'm going to maximize some veggies, even if they're frozen, I'm going to saute them up. Yes, I might not do everything perfect, but I maximize that. And instead of choosing um, the fast food, I've really reduced that for today. Just focus on what can I maximize? What can I minimize? And what can I make a priority today? Um, And those things are going to really add up over time. And so um, just choosing whole foods that are really simple, um, that are grown in nature, shopping the perimeter of the um, grocery store, you know, just really minimizing those boxed foods. Um, They have nutrients. That's the whole point. Why do we need whole foods? Because our body functions on them. I think that's the biggest misconception is in our modern society, we are trying to eat in a modern way um, and our bodies just fiz- like we are just not evolved um, to function well on that type of food um, it's low in nutrients it's full of processed chemicals it's full of sugar and it's very addictive and our body literally does not function on it um, and so we have to have these minerals and these micronutrients and the proper amount of macros These come from whole foods. You know, a stalk of broccoli has like 500 nutrients. So, you know, we need those to make energy, like actually just make energy in your cell. And so it's so important if we want to have energy and we want to feel fueled and we want to have proper mood resilience, we have to eat whole foods. Um, Our body just functions on them. That's it. Um, It does not function on the modern food we're trying to consume.
1: And I just want to comment on this. You probably saw this study. It came out in the last week in JAMA, which is the the Journal of the American Medical Association. They looked at kids' eating habits between 1999 and 2018, and they found that there is a 67% increase in kids' consumption of ultra-processed foods. And I saw that I just about fell off my chair. Like it's, it is shocking and it is sad and it is all of those pieces. Yeah. But one of the things I hear, and I want, like, I want you to just dismantle this. I hear this from parents all the time. And so it's equally problematic for kids and the parents, but they go, we ate that way when we were kids and we are fine. Mm. Which I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not fine. But when like do you hear that from your patients or people aren't coming to see you if they're in that state of mind?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, I definitely no. you know, luckily, um, you know, shifting to more of a health coaching, the people who see me are kind of already past that point. Um, but when I was working in a conventional setting, 100 percent, it was very much like I'm trying to get you to do something, but you didn't come to me for that advice. Yes. That was pretty much it. it was pretty much like you give me a medicine. <laughs> that's all I want from you. Um, and so, you know, that's a challenge. And, you know, a lot of that, to be honest, falls on the provider's hands. Another story. Um, but yeah, that was something I felt the same way, you know, yes, I've done my genetic testing and I have these autophage genes and this predisposition towards inflammation and yada, yada. My parents are in pretty dang good shape, but yeah, I grew up on honey buns and pizza sticks and, uh, diet Dr. Pepper. I grew up in the early nineties. That's what we ate. Um, I ate it every day. And um, it caught up with me real quick, really quickly. Um, you know, and it would be the same thing. It's really been just the past 50 years. So yes, your grandma who maybe grew up on you know just lots of protein and fat and potatoes, that's still better than what we're eating today. So um, you know, just the food has changed in the past 50 years um, and our bodies are still just not adapt to to handle those things. but um, epigenetics influences this so much. So we're going to have these these genetic influences. And if you are just already having those triggers from such a young age, then you're going to start experiencing most likely these um, inflammatory chronic health issues such at an earlier age or even just behavioral. Uh, that's probably one of my biggest things working in child and adolescent psychiatry. Uh, You know, looking back, it's like, I don't even know. I don't know the percentage, but I would say at least 9 out of 10 kiddos with ADHD could have maybe avoided it or at least completely been on a way lower dose just by changing what they're eating first thing in the morning, Um, you know, changing their eating habits to um, be less just prone to causing irritability and distractibility and and all of these things by eating sugar all day and first thing in the morning. Um, And these processed foods was not helpful for them.
1: I know we're I know we're like gearing down to number 1 and I know people are excited for that, but I want to actually ask you first. If we're looking at this at a system s- systems level cuz you said you know it's in the hands of the providers, what needs to change in the system so that we're having these types of conversations with parents so that we're bringing these elements of awareness
0: uh, to the table. Being on both sides, it really is tough as far as time goes. I think that is where we get so stuck. If I saw 10 people a day, um, I even as a provider in that conventional setting would be just felt so much less pressure to go to the next person, go to the next person. And it's really just kind of set up that way. And that makes it very difficult. So even if you have great intentions, um, there's just not enough time to explain um, nutrition in in five minutes. There's just not. Um, And so I think just time spent with someone is, is a challenge. You know, it's very much like, you know, you need to see 30 people a day. You can't see 10 people a day. And that makes it extremely difficult, no matter how well-intentioned you are. Um, but I do think um, coming from a provider with more empathy and I I think the biggest thing is that w- and this is hard because I've been there. The conventional medicine setting and not every single person, I think that they feel that they hold the power and they hold on to it very um, closely. And um, any type of questioning from the patient, um, it puts up a wall or, or causes a very defensive type um dynamic there and that's completely backwards um the patient should feel empowered um they should feel like i understand what i need to do today i walk out of here feeling empowered for my health i can change my health trajectory and all the people i talk to unfortunately that is not what they leave the offices they're leaving crying and upset and lost and helpless and that is where things need to be changed we need to put the power back in your hands. That's what I felt. I felt helpless and unseen and unheard until someone said, listen, you make these choices day to day. So we are going to change the choices you make day to day. And you're going to do that. And you are going to make these huge choices and take responsibility again. And sure, at first, it's like, oh, crap, it's my responsibility. It's not yours. okay. But then very quickly, you learn that that turns into empowerment. And you Mm -hmm. feel so powerful that you can change your health trajectory. And so really, it's that power dynamic that I think is an issue.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I I really appreciate that perspective. And I talk a lot about on a system level that we have two sides to the system we have, and it's divided by what I call the line of fine. And the line of fine is the, is the entry point into the world of being healthy. So the conventional system is like you're either healthy or not, which Mm -hmm. is, which is a, a problem to start with. And when we cross the line of fine, you're like, literally you leave someone's office. They're like, you're fine. You're fine. You're like, okay, feel like garbage, but, Okay, and then that's the side, we cross that line and that's where you have an opportunity to build health. That's where you have an opportunity to engage in everything you're talking about Absolutely. here. And until we get to that line of fine, we have this massive system that's like trying to push an iceberg in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So you know, I really, I love that we are concentrating our conversation on the other side of the line of fine. And what I want everyone to know is, fine is the lowest possible <laughs> standard of health that you can exist in. And yeah. if you're existing in a state of fine and you're disappointed that you're not being acknowledged by your physician, it's just because they have really crappy standards for what you could feel and be. And yeah. so it's not their fault. It's just their job to drop you at the line of fine. And now you get to pick up with items five down to two. And we had to talk about number one. Shay, what's your number one thing? Um, I think... I can't remember what I put in. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We can add like five, five things here, but you know, I know we, we talked about beforehand. We talked about, we talked about meditation. We talked about uh, protein. We talked about movement. Like if we could just pull one thing, if you're like, I want you to just do this one thing.
0: Mindset. Mindset. So, you know, working, I think that's where I, I see things a lot differently. Every client who works with me, we spend, oh gosh, four to six weeks on mindset before we dive into anything else. And I know that that's because no matter what I say or what I do, they're in their head every day. And so we really need to work on thinking patterns and belief systems and habits and really understanding their habits. I think that's really kind of helps people. Okay, I have 75,000 thoughts a day. Like, holy cow, you want me to start changing all of them? Yeah, just one thought at a time. So, you know, you have the thought, don't ignore, don't numb and rum, (laughs) numb and rum. That's true too, but don't numb and run. First substitution, no more rum. (laughs) (laughs) Don't numb, rum, or run, but... Um, you know, instead address and sit and ask yourself about that thought. Is this true? Is this lie? Is this helpful? Is this harmful? Is this, you know, getting me towards the identity that I, that I am, that I want and rewiring those things and those habits. Negative thinking can be a habit. We're not talking about all the physical associations with mood resilience. That's another topic. There's a ton of physical association with it. If you're fatigued mm-hmm. and inflamed in a mess, it's very difficult to be positive. I totally understand that. That all needs to be addressed. But, you know, positive thinking is a habit, just like negative thinking is a habit. And so learning just one thought at a time, how to reflop that and not in denial, just what's the next best thought? What's the next best situation? What's the next best scenario I can think of? And just build upon that. And it does build and it does change. I have a great example of myself. I had told myself since I was little that I was anxious. I was a high you know high performing individual so you know i was anxious um is what it meant and you know elementary school pulling my hair out of my ponytail if it wasn't perfect right that type of anxious um so that was not helpful for my healing so me telling myself every day i love how I- you say that yes yeah. why FY- psa that's not helpful people <laughs> yeah exactly and so it's like okay Am I? You know, our body follows our mind and, you know, what we think about day to day and what we consume every day um, really impacts our biochemistry. It's it's physical. It's placebo effect. And it's not imagined. It's real. Um, They call it can cause a true biological response just by our thoughts. If you've ever had anxiety or a panic attack, you know this all too well. Oh yeah my body has no clue if it's real or not if my mind tells it to panic it's going to panic physically um we can cause a huge adrenaline burst and full-blown panic attack just by a thought of a fear that potentially could happen six months down the road right so we just need to learn to use that to our betterment instead of constantly to our detriment. Instead, I'm going to say, I am empowered. I am healing. I am not anxious. I handle these situations. Well, this is the type of identity, you know, affirming these beliefs and creating those type of stories instead of the stories that we tell ourselves every day that are just absolutely unhelpful for our healing. Switching that narrative becoming the main character that you want to and and really living out um, that life in, in your mind first um, so yeah mindset and spending it it's it's a train your brain daily i talk about that a lot so how do i do it every day for five minutes think about good things just start there you know think about good things smile literally close your eyes and imagine yourself laughing Simple. Just close yourself and see yourself happy. You don't know why you don't know what. Just start enjoying and allowing yourself to feel those um, positive emotions. Visualize it. Just spend that time day to day training your brain. So we have to do it every day. We can't just have meditation once a month um, or once a year and expect our brain to respond well. It's really this day-to-day habit and practice. But just start with one thought at a time, um, one habit at a time. Spending time thinking about good things and visualizing um, wellness for yourself is a great place to start. I really appreciate that shift in perspective. Um, I feel
1: like sometimes we engage, I call them like low-vibe dopamine hits. I don't know if we know we are trying Mm -hmm. to do that. But dopamine is that like fun anticipatory uh, neurotransmitter. And uh, I talk about this a lot in the context of gossip. Like when we 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 gossip, because it is a cheap dopamine high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's short lived and it doesn't last and it's low vibe and it doesn't add to your health. You just it's, it's kind of like that, that cup of coffee or that espresso, you feel mm-hmm. good for like 20 minutes. And you're like, Oh, I actually did not need that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really, I think that asking yourself, like, why am I engaging? In, like, what am I getting out of this thought pattern?
0: Mm-hmm. What is
1: it making me feel in my body is a really important uh, moment, it's really important to stop and acknowledge that because you can completely shift the trajectory of your physiology for the whole day yeah. when you interrupt that pattern. But I'll, I think we get in the habit of doing it because we're we're dopamine junkies, or we're mm-hmm. like looking at our phone, waiting for a new notification. That's dopamine. Like, yeah, all of these things are are sort of cheap neurological hits that we are after. Um, and health is never acquired through cheap hits. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. You are up to amazing things. And before we start to talk about where people can find you and all the stuff that you are doing uh, with your clients, I wanna switch the interview to this component that I call our KPIs or key performance indicators. So just like we have them in our business, I believe that we have them in how we live our lives as well. So my first rapid fire question for you Uh is, is there a book or an idea or a TED talk or a concept that has come to you in 2021 that has really shifted the trajectory of how you think about your life or your health?
0: Um, I would definitely say yes. And it is in this mindset component um, is very much that I need to be active and proactive in my thinking um, patterns first, um, as far as what I'm going to implement down um, downstream. So there's a few books that have really shifted that for me. But really understanding and, and visualizing day-to-day um, goals, not just for my health and and seeing that, but also financial and business and, and taking that time every day to really see that and live that out and see myself in those situations. Um, and um, that's been a game changer for me because, of course, I've got fear and limiting beliefs. Like, who doesn't? Believe me. Like, those are big ones that I've had to work through. But understanding very quickly that the fear and the limiting belief is preventing me from going where I want to go or, you know, um, not just personally, but also impacting others. And that's preventing me from that. And so learning to shift that perspective and see and lean into the discomfort and be okay with discomfort. Um, I think we're so afraid of it. Same thing. We run in them or rum, whatever we do, Um, (laughs) understanding to lean into that discomfort, get to failure quicker um, get out of the pit quicker, but you have to go there. So don't be afraid of it. Just learn that it's a part of the process and that you can act and learn and adjust through that, um, and keep moving.
1: It's a great perspective. And I will link up in the show notes. We did a a podcast with Dr. Joan Rosenberg and she wrote a book called 90 seconds to the life you love. Mm. And she talks about that. You have to sit in the discomfort and usually the discomfort will dissipate at 90 seconds. Yeah, you don't sit in it. You don't get to unpack it. You don't get to own it. You don't get to put it on the shelf and close the book. You just constantly avoid it. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's a really cool perspective. I love that you brought that, uh, that piece up. What is your favorite health hack? Besides these five things that we broke down for your clients, what's your favorite thing you don't miss?
0: Uh, forest bathing, um, if I'm in the forest. So if not grounding, um, nature is mine. I'm addicted to it. I love nature, even if it is just going outside, I live in an apartment complex, but um going outside and just going on a walk or sitting in nature, touching grass, putting you know, taking my shoes off and grounding it it, it truly is grounding for me. Like it feels so comforting and there's a lot of science behind it, but it's probably one of my favorite things to do other than yoga. (laughs) So I definitely like yoga too. (laughs) How would you describe your purpose? I want to make others glad in their day to day. And I think that's kind of simple, but I want them to positively impact others health trajectory. So it's it's I see it so much more as I want to help you. But at the end of my client sessions for the six months, everything every time we do this is now we are in the empowerment part of ours. And now we're impacting and influencing all these other people. And so I love that for them. Um, of course, I love that. But to have other people feel empowered enough that they have now impacted other others and influenced them and changed their generational health and their family um, and then friend circle is by far my my favorite. And last question for you. Entrepreneurship.
1: Are we born
0: this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? We learn it for sure. For me, um, I you can ask my husband. I he has always told me, like, for years, like, you need to just do your own thing. And I'm like, heck no. No way. I'm not that person. Like I was vice president of my sorority for a reason. Right. I didn't want to. <laughs> right. I was vice president for years, three years. Um, I didn't want to take that next step. I was so afraid. I had so many limiting beliefs that, that 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 was me. Um, that wasn't me. I didn't see myself as that person. And it took someone telling me like, like get off of it, right? Like stop holding on to that. And now, like, I could never go back. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, what on earth? I could never go back. It's changed everything. Everything I think and, and do now is entrepreneurial. Um, and before, I had huge limiting beliefs. I absolutely never thought that was a part of my plan whatsoever. And so I had I hired business coaches, y'all, best believe, because I needed them to really help push me through those fears and limiting beliefs. And um, that was a game changer um, for me.
1: Amazing. Shay Leonard, you have just so many amazing things. Where can we send people to learn more about the work you're doing in the world?
0: Um, My website is just www.shayleonard.com. And then I mostly hang out on Instagram, same at Shay Leonard. And that's it. Amazing. We will hook everyone up in the show notes with total access
1: to you. Well, almost total access. (laughs) Thanks so much for the discussion today. It was great having you. Thank you so much. Take care. she's just so much fun. If you haven't checked her out yet on Instagram, I'm going to really encourage you. Uh, to follow along with her health journey and her ideas and her ways of making uh, healthy lifestyles really simple and she she is a perfect example of the type of practitioner that we get the opportunity to uh, to work with the type of person who's hanging out with us at our upcoming event impact lives i know i've talked about this like every week but i just feel so strongly about uh, this event and this community and and the types of practitioners that we are able to pull together we've got several thousand people who are going to be joining us at this uh, virtual event some incredible speakers who are going to be working with us to start to build for you your marketing system in your practice and to me marketing is about education to me marketing is about an opportunity to actually start to transform people's lives before they ever walk through your door and if that's what you're about if you're interested in impacting people's lives then you are definitely going to want to join us you can secure yourself seat get your ticket for our 100 virtual event by heading over to impact lives and we will see you there until next week i am dr megan walker wishing you an impactful week ahead we'll chat again next tuesday